I think women in general are starting to recognize how important strength is. And I've been an advocate for strength for quite some time. I did four Ironmans and then took an eight year sabbatical in between my Ironmans, but it made me really realize like, wow, strength training is to me is the fountain of youth. It it, it just, what am I, wait, you're 51. You don't have an excuse. You can strength train and I'm not bulky, you know, and I won't get bulky. Hello, I'm Jeff Sankoff. The TriDoc, an emergency physician, triathlon coach, and multiple Ironman finisher. And this is the October 6, 2023 edition of the TriDoc Podcast, coming to you from beautiful, sunny Denver, Colorado. We are a week out from the Women's World Championship on the Big Island of Hawaii, and the excitement is building for what can only be described as an outstanding women's professional race. The field is absolutely stacked with the who's who of pro women, including a real wild card in the form of Taylor Nibb, who has never raced this distance, but seemingly can't fail, so why not? I certainly wouldn't be betting against her. Personally, I'm also going to be interested in seeing how the age group field goes. Are we going to see a very long tail in the finishing times? Will there be a higher than usual DNF rate? We have eight days left to wait. What are your thoughts and your predictions? Have a look at the post in the private TriDoc Podcast Facebook group and make your predictions there. In non-Ironman news, there was a brief flurry of excitement that greeted the news that the Challenge family was re-entering the North American market with the introduction of a race in Quebec City to be held in July of 2024. Now, on the face of it, it's an amazing story. Quebec City is a beautiful spot for a race, And everyone knows how successful the Challenge family has been in Europe and Asia with high-quality events. And heck, who wouldn't like to see some real competition for the WTC monopoly on good quality races? So I, like everyone else, was really enthused when I first saw the announcement. Uh, But I mentioned that it was a brief flurry of excitement, and that is because when I, like so many others, went to the website, we looked at the course. And that's kind of when the bubble burst. I've said several times before on this program that one of the things that Ironman does so well is provide some pretty amazing courses for athletes. They're scenic, they're challenging, the bike rides are just pretty amazing in many of the locations, and the same can be said for some pretty incredible run courses. So what did the folks cook up for Challenge Quebec? Is it an epic and scenic course through the countryside that will rival that of Roth? Some rolling country roads, perhaps, going to small French villages and then returning to the walled city on the banks of the St. Lawrence River? I mean, the possibilities are endless, right? Nope. For Challenge Quebec, the race organizers have come up with a swim that can only be described as comically bad. It takes place in a marina and includes 14 turns as you snake between the mooring docks. Have you ever swum in a marina before? I'm guessing not, and there is generally a pretty good reason for that. The density of boats there usually equates to a fair amount of fuel in the water, uh, among other less-than-pleasant things. And where on a swim course do things tend to get compacted and somewhat unpleasant? Well, that would be in the turns. And how do you think it's going to go when there are 14 of them? Well, anyways, for those that get through the serpentine swim, they will then embark on a four-lap circuit of an essentially flat road that takes them no further than 12 kilometers from the swim. 
I can't imagine there will be any issues with drafting at all on this course that has several U-turns per lap as well. Finally, it's onto the two-lap run that also stays fairly close to the start-finish and has very little elevation gain. I think that this is yet another huge miscalculation and missed opportunity by an organization trying to gain a foothold in the North American market. Look, triathletes are not just looking for races. They're also not just looking for races that are less expensive than Ironman-branded events, though, let's face it, both of those are going to factor into athletes' decisions-making processes. What we are looking for are race experiences, and these city-based courses that are compact and multiple loops are just boring and do not amount to a real experience that athletes are going to want to come back to, nor are they going to generate buzz and excitement that are going to build a desire to compete at. Not to mention the fact that when you put 2,000 people on a four-loop bike course, you're just asking for draft packs, and athletes hate draft packs. Look at the most successful races on the WTC circuit, events like Chattanooga, St. George, Oceanside, Oregon, and the like. All of these are destinations with beautiful scenery and courses that take advantage of them. Quebec City is a beautiful place, in a beautiful setting, and rather than design a course that showcases that, the organizers have chosen to do something that was easier but much less satisfying for athletes. I'll be interested to see if people go, and if they do what they have to say about it after the fact. On the show today, the medical mailbag has a listener question to answer related to a mysterious liquid that was seen being consumed in large quantities by riders at the recently concluded Vuelta a España. What was the dark red liquid in those clear plastic bottles that the Jumbo Visma and UAE cyclists were seen guzzling down at the end of each stage? And did this elixir have any magical effects on performance? Well, Coach Juliet Hockman and I are on the case, and hopefully we'll have some answers for you. Later, I'm joined by Coach Jen Rulon. Jen is a longtime multisport athlete who left behind her Ironman training some time ago to focus on strength training and overall wellness and mindset coaching. A couple of years ago, she picked up and moved herself to the beautiful coast in Costa Rica, where she's now learning to surf, does yoga, and provides her coaching to athletes who, frankly, just wish they could just be like her. Jen also has a fairly new podcast, and she joins me to talk about all of that in just a little while. Before all of that, I want to take a moment once again to thank all of my Patreon supporters of this podcast who have decided that for about the price of a cup of coffee per month, they could sign up to support this program and in doing so get access to bonus interviews and other segments that come out about every month. A couple of months ago, one such bonus episode featured an extra interview that I did with Coach Jen Rulon, today's guest. If you enjoy hearing what Jen has to say in the full episode, that bonus interview and other bonus episodes like it are available on a private feed for all my subscribers. Plus, for North American subscribers who sign up at the $10 per month level of support, they can receive a special thank you gift in the form of a BOCO TriDoc podcast running hat. So visit my Patreon site today at patreon.com forward slash TriDoc podcast and become a supporter so that you too can get access and maybe this cool gift as well. And as always, I thank you in advance, just for considering.
It's time once again for the Medical Mailbag, that segment of the podcast when I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Juliet Hockman, where we take questions that listeners have submitted or things that we have come across in our own experience and try to give you some of the details and answers as to what's going on medically and scientifically. Juliet, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much. Great to be here. I understand that this week we have a question submitted by a longtime listener and friend of the podcast. What do we got? Yes, we do. And I'm actually really excited to hear about this one because this is something that I feel like all of us can access and perhaps possibly execute upon. So one of our, as you say, longtime friends of the podcast and friends of ours, Simon Poix, sent in the question about what's the deal with tart cherry juice? There's been a lot of buzz about it. We see that some of the riders in the Tour de France this year were guzzling it immediately after finishing the race. What are the benefits? What do we know about it? What are the studies showing us? And why is this the new darling of and for endurance athletes? Yeah, Simon reached out to me not too long ago because during the Vuelta a España, we saw at the end of every stage, the Jumbo Visma riders would be handed these mysterious clear bottles of dark colored liquid and they would guzzle them down super fast. And it was, it was something that was a curiosity at first. But, you know, with cycling, there's always this uh, question of is everything above board? And people were like, what the heck is going on with this mystery bottle that these guys are drinking? And it wasn't just Jumbo Visma, UA. E was seen drinking them as well. And some uh, cycling sleuths got to the bottom of it and found out that, as you mentioned, it was tart cherry juice, specifically Montmorency cherries, otherwise known as otherwise known as Prunus cerasus. And there's a specific reason that that cherry has come into vogue in cycling world, and that is because those cherries contain numerous phytochemicals. And these are chemicals that come about because of as the plant is growing, it's being exposed to the sun and the plant generates all of these chemicals within the fruit. And it, it contains all kinds of really interesting chemicals with a fabulous name. So there's anthocyanins, flavonoids, which include quercetin and camphorol, and I can't even read some of these. There's flavanols that include catechin and epicatechin, gallic acid, which sounds absolutely wonderful, procyanins, <laughs> and phenolic acids. And the phenolic acids are the thing that we're going to be most interested in, specifically because they are contained in much, much higher concentration than they are in sweet cherries. So that's why tart oh, cherries. Oh, that's the specifically. difference. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the very high content of polyphenolic compounds, these are the phenolic acids and some of these other chemicals I'm talking about, they're contained by like like one or two orders of magnitude higher concentrations in tart cherries than they are in sweet cherries. And the big deal about them is that they possess very potent antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects. And it's been proposed by scientists, kinesiologists, uh, different uh, physiotherapists that these chemicals can lessen muscle damage, reduce the levels of pain, and improve recovery in athletes. And so... For many years now, tart cherry juice has been suggested as something that athletes should be consuming after exercise as a means to enhance their recovery. Well, after the Vuelta a España this year, I think you're going to be seeing a lot more of it. But the big question, of course, is, well, 
is there anything to it or is it just something that's kind of a fad? And we took a bit of a deep dive and there is some evidence out here. And I have to say, it's interesting. It's, it's actually quite compelling. As you know, there are very few things that we have looked at in this program that I recommend. Actually <laughs> work. That's right. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that I have been prepared to try myself. Uh, as y- you are well aware, spirulina mm-hmm. is something that I love. Yep, uh, I'm adding tart cherries to the list of something that I will try. Not, not, not because I am so sure that it's going to be an end-all to be-all, but because I think the evidence is kind of compelling. So what is the evidence? Well, the big thing that tart cherry juice is purported to really help with is this idea of recovery. So if you look at the Vuelta España, for example, the reason that tart cherry juice is considered to be so useful is because these guys are out there, they're riding for four to five hours a day, they're putting out huge numbers, they're climbing these gigantic mountains, and when they finish, they're exhausted, they're they're completely spent. But they got to come out the next day and do it all do over. Do it all again. over again. That's right. All right. So unless they are in some kind of condition to be able to come back the next day and really shake off the stiffness and soreness and just get right back to it, they are going to have trouble. And as you saw with Remco Ivanipol, who's you know one of the favorites for the races, he had one off day, one off day the whole race, and it cost him twenty seven minutes and any chance at the title. Right. Well, the people who win these races can't have an off day; they have to be ready every day. And so what they do is they take all of these uh, things that they can find to try and maximize their ability to recover. So they have massage, they have like, you know, the compressive boots, they have all of these things. And cherry tart cherry juice has been one of these things that have been looked at might help as well. So when you look at recovery, what tart cherry juice is suspended? supposedly able to do because of the high degree of all of these compounds, specifically these polyphenolic compounds, is it reduces the concentration of all of these circulating uh, inflammatory markers. And this has been shown pretty conclusively. So in laboratory studies, they have found that uh, interleukin-6, C-reactive protein, all of these different inflammatory markers that are associated with muscle inflammation that are seen after very strenuous work workouts, they decrease very dramatically as soon as the person takes in only like one ounce or 30 cc's of concentrated huh. tart cherry juice. Uh, unconcentrated, just straight up tart cherry juice, it's like 12 uh, ounces. So it's a, it's a lot more of the unconcentrated stuff, but you could take one ounce of concentrated twice a day, and it, it makes a huge impact in the uh, circulating inflammatory markers. Now, that's great. Inflammatory markers are what we call a disease-oriented outcome. So it's like, you know, we see this inflammatory outcome. That's great. It goes down. But what I'm really interested in is a patient-oriented outcome. What I want to see is, okay, they have decreased inflammation, but does that actually translate to something measurable, quantifiable? And this research has been going on for many, many years, but until recently, we haven't really seen good studies looking at performance. And recently, they started to do some studies on performance, and they are quite impressive. So there was a, a cycling study that was done, and what they did was they had these guys do a, a small study, but still 109-minute cycling effort. 24 hours after a very large effort during which they received this tart cherry juice. And what they found was in the group that got the tart cherry juice, the athletes were able to perform at a 4% 
lower effort to be able to complete the same distance. Does that make sense? So they were better recovered. Mm-hmm. and able to exert themselves with less output, less cardiac output, less muscular output in order to cover the distance. So they okay. were able to be more efficient at efficient. the muscular yeah. level. Okay, right? okay, okay. More impressively, individuals performing a half marathon who had done a very significant effort the day before and then given tart cherry juice, compared to those who received a placebo, there was a 13% decrease in time. Oh, wow. Okay. So really significant yeah. amounts. Yeah, yeah. So really, really impressive amounts. And and that's what I mean by compelling. Now, these are individual trials. They are not large. They have not been reproduced over and over again. So it, the jury's still out as to whether or not this is the true answer. But these are very compelling results. And I think, and, and do we to think me, anyways... Is, do we think this is similar across people of all ages, both genders... You know, to, yeah. The, these are these are questions that need to be answered. It's to right. be determined. Uh, so far we the don't research know is still, okay. yeah, it's still in an early state right now. I think that uh, there's a lot of research on tart cherry juice and its impact on the markers. There's a lot of research on tart cherry juice and whether or not there's actual tissue damage or tissue repair, but there's not yet a lot of research on performance. And I think as we start to see more and more interest in this, we'll probably start to see different research on different ages and on different genders to see whether or not we can answer the question you just asked, which is critically important. Right. Now, Tart cherry juice has been around probably since the Romans, for all we know. Why is this the first time that anyone has made the connection between drinking this stuff and recovery, health, energy, all of these things? Is it because we just haven't been able to measure it before? quantitatively? I, I don't have a great answer for that. I think it's been one of these things that's been circulated in the kind of niche sort of nutrition fields as to something that was uh, sort of circulated around as, hey, uh, for whatever ails you, this stuff is good, but nobody understood really why. And I think it's only garnered more interest in the uh, exercise science field recently because of the understanding of what it contains and that the, the fact that all of these polyphenolic compounds are known to be beneficial for athletes and the fact that they are found in such high concentrations made it much more interesting for researchers more recently. And as far as we know, it doesn't exist. This polyphenolic, these polyphenolic acids don't exist in the same concentration in other fruits, vegetables, I don't know, foodstuffs, as far as we know. You could find them. You could find them, but not in these concentrations. So any of the any of the dark colored berries, blackberries, blueberries, Mm -hmm. they they contain them as well, but nowhere close to what you find in tart cherries. And I want to be clear, tart cherries are disgusting. Like yeah, they're stuff, gross. I mean, yeah, you don't want to drink this stuff. It, yeah. No, it is. It, this is something that, and, and like they're drinking it at the end of these races, they're drinking this huge bottle. So they've taken that one ounce, the 30 cc's, and they've diluted it up to a right. much larger amount to make it more palatable. And the way I'm going to take it is in a smoothie. So I'm going to add like an ounce into a smoothie with other berries and other sort of flavor, my spirulina, and other mm-hmm. things to try and, and make it all kind of come out in the wash. Because God, between the I think tart- Stuff. Ugh, between spirulina and the tart jerry concentrate, your smoothies are going to taste disgusting. <laughs> 
my smoothies are very good. Now, I, I think it's important at this point to mention that I found a really, really fascinating study. Now, I do not like using Instagram to do my research. Good. <laughs> but, good. but I was watching some reels because my wife and I have taken to watching reels on Instagram because there are tons of reels that, that we can relate to. There's all these wonderful reels about parents lamenting like their teenagers and, yep. and what teenagers have done to their lives. So we get a good crack. At, we get a good laugh out of those. Well, I, I had this reel pop up where this food scientist was talking about how you shouldn't put bananas in your smoothies. And I thought, wait, I put a banana in my smoothie every day. So he referenced a paper. I looked up the paper and it turns out he's absolutely correct. There is an enzyme in bananas called polyphenol oxidase, PPO. In fact, it is the enzyme that makes your bananas turn brown over time. The same enzyme can be found in apples. That's why apples turn brown. And if you put a banana into your smoothie with your berries, it that polyphenol oxidase it just destroys all the polyphenolic compounds in your berries. So oh, no. when you, yeah, so if you put bananas with your berries or bananas with your tart cherry juice, you are basically putting in the enzyme that destroys the polyphenolic compounds with your polyphenolic compounds, and you will therefore get no benefit whatsoever. You can't even have a smoothie and then eat a banana within an hour. It will come, the, the, the enzyme, like they, they did this wonderful study where they gave people smoothies with like berries in them and they drew their blood and measured the the, the amount of polyphenolic oh compounds my and then they gave them a smoothie that had a banana with the same amount of berries and they had zero polyphenolic compounds because Aww. the banana completely destroyed all the polyphenolic compounds. That's such compounds. a shame because having a half a frozen banana ready to go in your freezer that you can put in your smoothie and make the whole thing cold is a great hack. But now you're saying we can't do that anymore. Well, I fr I use frozen banana. berries, so I use well, frozen I do berries too. to keep I do it too. cold. It's nice to have them both frozen. I yeah. agree. So what I've now done is I will have as my recovery drink, I will have a chocolate, I use a chocolate protein powder oh, and yeah. I, I put a banana in there. So now I have my chocolate banana. So there's no berries in that one to to. to Anyways, we've we've got a little bit off <laughs> we here. But, we digress. Yes, <laughs> but I thought it was important to mention. That is good to know. Okay, so what are the? So it sounds like the sort of practical application. What you mentioned earlier is two times one ounce of the concentrate twice a day, or you know you can water it down with into sort of an eight ounce diluted as well. But is there any timing in terms of around your workout before or after that we want to think about? Yeah, and just to clarify, it's 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 one ounce twice a day. I know that's what you said, but I, yep. it sounded like two times one ounce. So I just, it's one ounce twice a day. You could take the the first dose like pretty much in the morning. The second one should be taken after your workout okay. because it's best as a recovery agent, and you want to take it afterwards. And that is sort of the timing that's been used in a lot of these studies. Right. Okay. Okay. Awesome. And what about you know the downsides? There's always a downside. Does it turn your teeth? Red, does it make you pee red? I mean, what's there <laughs> is there is a downside. potential there is a potential important downside. But before we get to that, okay. I do want to mention there's one other research demonstrated significant benefit that I think we should touch on. And okay. that is that these tart cherries not only include all of these polyphenolic antioxidant and anti-inflammatory, they also contain very high concentrations of melatonin. Oh. And there have been studies that have been shown that taking in these quantities of tart cherry juice, just one ounce 
of concentrate again. Now, if you're taking non-concentrated, you have to take a, a, a larger amount, but one ounce of concentrate twice a day, people who do that actually sleep significantly better. They are found to have more hours of high quality sleep than people who don't. And that is actually one of the major reasons I decided to try this because, and that's been shown in multiple studies across age groups. And I didn't, I have to be honest, I didn't check if it crossed genders, but I, I know you and I were talking before we were, that yeah. tartary juice has been advocated for women postmenopausal or peripenopausal women. Who are, because we're not sleeping well. It's one of the sort of two or three kind of hot takes to help women sleep better when you get to kind of 50 plus for sure. Yeah. Right. So I think yeah. that this does cross genders. And it was, I, I am a terrible sleeper. I have ever since, I mean, my late 40s, I've had a lot of trouble sleeping. My family, it, it's kind of hereditary. I, my dad was not a good sleeper. And it's one of the things I struggle with because we know how important sleep is for recovery and how important it is for performance. And uh, I, I'm constantly training fatigued. And while it, you know, I love my coffee and it certainly helps me stay a little bit more refreshed and awake, but I would prefer to have a good night's sleep. And right. if the tart cherries can help with that, then why not? So, and I found numerous studies that showed this and, and I'm like, this is like, so just from one of them, tart cherry juice supplementation resulted in significantly elevated total melatonin content, increase, increased time in bed, increased total sleep duration, improved sleep efficiency, and a significant reduction in daytime fatigue and daytime napping. And to me, that is gigantic because I know for myself, if I were to sleep better, I would already be more likely to have a performance benefit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Now I want to get back to I want to get back to the question you asked, which is is the there a downside? And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So there's no there's no definitive pitfalls, but there is one potential pitfall that researchers have suggested that people need to be aware of. We've talked, you and I have talked about the potential for anti-inflammatories. So medications like ibuprofen or Aleve, uh, which is mm. naproxen, those medications have been shown to interfere with some of the adaptations that take place in our muscles when we're training. And the reason for that is because we know that training induces an inflammatory response within our muscles, which is critical in order for training adaptations adaptations to happen. And it's been shown that people who take anti-inflammatories on a regular basis actually don't get the same muscular adaptations to training as people who don't take them. Well, people have theorized that, hey, if you're taking this tart cherry juice, the level of anti-inflammatory compounds within that tart cherry juice is so high that it is possible that you may get some interference with training adaptation. Now, I think it's important to remember you and I had a discussion about how with age, with advancing age, anti-inflammatories actually don't seem to interfere with training adaptation quite as much as it does in younger people. So for you and I in our 50s and for anybody else who's listening who's in their 50s, the anti-inflammatory caution related to tart cherry juice and its potential of interfering with training adaptation may not be as important. 
but we don't know because right. nobody has actually done that study and nobody has been able to to really look at this and say, oh, this is something we need to worry about. But it's enough of a concern that a couple of authors have made some pretty interesting commentary about it and some conclusions. So I'll read to you from a study that came out. It's a, it's a literature review and commentary. It was called Tart, Cherry Juice, and Athletes, a literature, literature review and commentary. And this was published back in 2017. And the author said, if the focus is on improving recovery and getting back into full race competition form as fast as possible, then tart cherry juice may have a beneficial role. However, if tart cherry juice is being considered during the training adaptation phase, the only time during that phase for tart cherry juice that may be helpful might be to help recover after like the really intense activities. So for example, after a very long run or a very exhausting high intensity interval training session that would otherwise leave an athlete overly fatigued, tired, and feeling weak. These authors felt that it might not be ideal to take regular tart cherry juice during training because of the possibility of inhibiting the adaptation response because of this very high level of antioxidants. Now, again, I want to be clear, this is theoretical. It's never, ever been shown in any research to actually happen. And I, I can't say one way or the other whether or not it's a true concern. It's, it's very hypothetical. I think personally, I would believe that it's probably not as big of a concern. I think that the benefits you're going to get from recovery, especially after harder efforts, the benefits you can get from sleep are likely going to outweigh these potential theoretical risks. That would be my gestalt. But again, mm -hmm. that's that's just kind of my thoughts. Well, clearly it's working for the Yumbo Visma team, right? I mean, they're right. young and they're guzzling this stuff. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's super interesting. Good, good warning to have. So, I mean, if we're to boil this all down in terms of applicability, right? We're talking about, as we talked about, you know, an ounce of the concentrate twice a day. So probably when we get up and then after a hard session later in the day, we're talking about um, making sure that's the concentrate, not, or, or you can do that diluted stuff, but you, you want, you know, it sounds like you want an ounce of the concentrated stuff. I was just looking it up on Amazon. It's 32 bucks a bottle, just so you know, but it is available. It seems to be pretty widely available. It's um, it's widely available, but I think it's worth mentioning the cost is not it's not small, right? Yeah. I, I like I said, I ordered some today. Yep. So I ordered a thirty two ounce yeah. bottle for thirty bucks. That's what so I that's think. gonna yeah. get me yeah, thirty bucks is gonna get me just over two weeks. Yeah, it's that a is yep. yeah, that's not inexpensive. And yeah. I you know, I, I'm gonna try it. I basically bought I got two bottles for fifty five dollars because it was like if you bought two bottles it was five dollars off. So that'll get me a month. And right. I'm gonna give it a month. And I'm going to see how it goes. Am I sleeping better? Am I recovering quicker? Because uh, listen, I'll tell you, Juliet, oh. I, I, I was having a conversation with my own coach that I have noticed that in the last couple of years, if I do a really hard workout, especially a hard run, I find it really difficult to come back and do another hard workout within the next day or two. And, and mm -hmm. that's a change that I've noticed in the last couple of years. I used to be able mm -hmm. to bounce back much more quickly. Mm -hmm. So if, if this gives me the ability to come back a little bit quicker, then 
I could potentially justify that cost, but that's not that's not inexpensive. Sure. And as you say, I mean, the sleep benefits alone, if you noticed better sleep, more consistent sleep, more hours per night, fewer times waking up, etc. I mean, gosh, there's a lot of people who would pay a buck an ounce for that for sure. <laughs> so regardless of what the substance was. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Then not a lot of super clear pitfalls as far as long as we know, we don't hear people getting GI upset, we don't hear people you know, having dental issues, it's sort of, we just don't probably know a lot of information yet, but so far so good. Well, I think also because the concentrate, you know, you're, you're taking such a small amount at a time, it's probably not, it's not going to cause significant issues with the gastrointestinal tract or with dental stuff. So yeah, it's good news. It's good. news. Okay. So the last question I have, which actually comes from my husband, because he heard right before we came on this, that we're going to talk about tart cherry juice. He's a big fan of beet juice. He takes his beet powder every morning with his orange juice. He's really into it. So now we're going to have competing red substances in the closet. What, maybe I want to keep him away from the tart cherry juice. (laughs) I've never wanted the beet stuff. So what's the difference? Can you summarize the difference quickly between the two so I can go back and report back to him? Absolutely. So beetroot juice is another one of those things that we have discussed in the past that I have recommended. It's something that definitely works. Now, with the caveat that it does not seem to be as effective for women, but it does work very well for men. And again, it it tends not to be necessarily suited for the triathlete because the effects of beetroot juice tend to be a little bit shorter and not really suitable for long distance events. That being said, the way beetroot juice works, it's very, very, it's got very, very high concentrates of uh, inorganic nitrates. And those nitrates get converted by a process that begins in the mouth and continues once it's absorbed into the bloodstream into nitrites. Nitrite is a potent vasodilator. And so when you take in beetroot juice, what's happening is you're increasing blood flow to your muscles, and you're also impacting the way your mitochondria process oxygen, because nitrites have an effect on the mitochondria as well. So beetroot juice allows for improved oxygen delivery to your muscles and improved oxygen utilization in the mitochondria. And that is very different from what we're seeing with the tart cherries. Tart cherries are something that work afterwards. So beetroot juice, you can think of as improving the efficiency of the engine and tart cherries are improving the repair of the engine. Totally makes sense. Yeah, the engine gets damaged from the exercise, the tart cherries come along and mitigate the amount of damage and and allow for improved repair. So they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. No, not at all. They could definitely be used together. I will say this, though, the highest content of polyphenol oxidase, PPO, that enzyme, is found in bananas. The second highest is found is in beets? the greens. No, no, oh. no. Just the greens of the beets. Okay. Okay, so well. the, the, the red part, the, the fruit of the beet is fine, but there okay. are a lot of people who eat the greens of the beet. That is very, very high in PPO and should not be mixed with your dark mixed with your. <laughs> this is complicated. How did the ancient Mayans get it right? Okay. Well, that's super interesting. Thanks. I'm I'm actually going to click that Amazon button right after we're done here, and we're going to give this tart dairy juice a try as well. I had heard this a couple of years ago when you know the conversation around menopause started to sort of be, become more and more frequent. That and and I think I tried it then, but I don't think I was taking it properly or drinking it properly. So we'll give it another try. It sounds like it could be good. 
Yeah, and I, I agree. I think it's a, a fascinating topic. I was not expecting to find as compelling evidence as we did. And I'm really excited because I'm excited to try it. And I promise I will report back and let people know what I have found personally. And we'll expect I'll the same do the from same. Juliet on I'll a future episode. All okay. right. If you have a question you'd like for us to answer on the medical mailbag, I hope that you'll submit it to us. You can email me at tri underscore doc at iCloud.com, or you could submit it on the private Facebook group for the TriDoc Podcast. Just uh, search for the group and answer the three very easy questions. I'll grant you access and you can join the conversation and ask your questions there. Juliet, it's been a pleasure having this conversation. I look forward to the next time we talk on the next episode. Thank you. See you then. Jen Rulon. She has been a triathlon and fitness coach for 22 plus years, and she owns GenRulon.com, and I am very excited to be welcoming her as my guest today on the triathlon, on the TriDoc podcast. She received her master's degree in kinesiology with an emphasis in exercise science. Her knowledge as an author and speaker includes Triathlete Magazine, Runner's World, on the TED stage, and the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater commencement speaker, Men's Journal Online, Self-Motivation Strategies for Women, which is available on Amazon and in the New York Times. Jen practiced what she preached. She's a 15-time Ironman triathlete who qualified and participated in the World Championship in Kona in 2017. Although she's retired from the sport of triathlon as an athlete, she still coaches athletes worldwide, and she lives a life of abundance, strength training, walks, and catching the sunsets from her new home in Costa Rica, which we chatted about briefly before we started recording, and I'm sure we'll chat about more now that we are recording. Welcome to the TriDoc Podcast, Jen. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. I, I, sometimes when I hear my introduction that I that you know I that we put together, it's like, oh yeah, I've done a lot of that stuff. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I know it's funny when I have guests on the show, they're like, "Wow, that was a really generous introduction," and I'm like, "I, I can only read what you've done," and right. it's. it's it's nice when when you actually get to hear back some of the things that you've accomplished and realize, wow, I've actually done some pretty cool stuff, right? Exactly. So I I, I want to start with sharing some of the stuff that we just chatted about before we started recording about how you came to be in Costa Rica and how you fill your days down there, because I, I'm sure it's something that a lot of people are going to be jealous about and want to know more of. Right. So I... It was after Ironman Florida in 2019, I retired. It was a, a retirement. And I remember I remember after the race, I knew I was completely done. I because I asked the I asked the universe, I asked my higher power on at mile mile and a half at Ironman Florida. I said, I said, God, I need two things from you. Either one, I qualify for Kona again. I'm, I place first or second in my age group, no if, ands, or buts. Or number two, I have the best race of my life. I PR, doesn't matter where I place, and I'm done. I cross the finish line at a 10.46.47. I place seventh in my age group. And at that time, I knew I was done. I was I retired. And so here I was the next day sitting on at on the beach thinking, okay, I can either sit on the beach and stay here or go back to San Antonio where I was living at the time. And I thought, I, I'm going to need to take a, a, a vacation. I need to step away from the world. I need to step away from social media because here I am leaving a 30-year-old career, 
as a coach, as an athlete, that I said to myself, I'm like, where do I want to go? And I said, I want to go to Costa Rica. So I, I went down there by myself. I was supposed to go down with one of my best friends and it didn't work out. And I went down there by myself and I fell in love. I fell in love with the beaches. I fell in love with the culture, the people, the food, just everything about Costa Rica, right? So then I was supposed to do a retreat in 2020. We know what that happened, what that happened. And then the girl and I became friends that was putting that retreat on. And she's like, Hey, I'm going down to Costa Rica in December. Do you want to come with me? And my friends, I'm like, Oh, heck yeah. So I went down again. And then in 2021, I went through a very personal, I went through a separation. I'll just say it. And I was like, Okay, I'm going to go to Costa Rica for seven weeks because I didn't know what else to do. I was confused. I was lost. I was scared. But I thought, you know what? I just, I need to see if this is something that I need for myself and my, my heart and my soul. And I really felt like Costa Rica not only healed me, but I found myself again, if that makes sense. And so then I went through the divorce and I moved down in December 30th, 2021. And how I fill my days, man, I am up at the crack of dawn with the sun, the sun rises around five, 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 ten. roosters are cockle-doodle doing at like five Oh five. So I'm usually up really early, like five twenty, five thirty. but I'm falling asleep by eight thirty, nine o'clock these days. So so I'm either up getting getting a workout in, a strength workout in. I'm going for walks. I'm, medita- I'm taking my coffee every morning to the beach. I'm meditating. I take 15 minutes of just alone time, of just me time. And then usually by nine o'clock, I am working. I'm either doing stuff for my for my app that I have out there, like the strength and fitness app. I'm working with my triathletes that I still reach out to. And then I just am launching my own podcast on July 7th called the Everyday Healthy Human Podcast. And I would love to have you on, Jeff, as well. (laughs) Well, that would be a thrill. And I have to say, I am one of many who is going to be very envious hearing about your lifestyle down there. We all, I think, aspire to have such a you know, quiet, peaceful, and yet yeah. at the same time, fulfilling lifestyle. I think that we're all putting ourselves through a little bit too much stress. And I think that what? aspiring to something like what you're living right now is the way to go. So thank you. Kudos to you and and keep going. Keep going. Thank you. So- you and I, you and I talked a little bit by email about mindset. Mm-hmm. I have talked about mindset just a little bit on the, the podcast in the past. And I wanted to explore that a little bit with you. Tell me about how you view mindset and its importance for athletes, uh, particularly in triathlon. Right. I think I, I definitely feel that my mindset got stronger as I got older, but I have also recognized that there's a lot of people like a younger generation who has a very strong mindset. And I think a lot had to do with just the background of physical fitness and fitness aspects. I, when I started reckon, when I started realizing my potential in the triathlon space, my mindset 
ex- exemplified, right? I started gaining confidence in myself. I started seeing, you know, the pace of my running improve. I started seeing the watts of my bike improve. And so all of a sudden that mindset mindset started to shift. It's like, oh, yes, you ca- you do have your you do have potential. You do have that mind. You do have access to to tap into the uncomfortableness of pushing hard. You do have the mindset of becoming successful. You do have the mindset of becoming whatever that might be, what fill in the blank, right? So I think for me, mindset is truly how you look in with your heart. And do you work with your athletes to help them identify their own? Or do you do you try to tease that out of them? Because I know for me, mm. I explore I don't I don't approach it so much as a fixed sort of thing. I, I use fixed because I, I'm very partial to Carol Dweck's book on growth mindset, where I think of, you know, I yeah. think I think people do fall into growth or fixed mindset. But I, when I think of fixed mindset right now, the way I'm using it with you, I'm not using it in that way. I, I, I sure I, I don't approach mindset with my athletes in a fixed way. I, I kind of I kind of try to tease out from them. Are they falling into the category of growth or fixed mindsets? Because I, I find if an athlete has a growth mindset, I can leverage that. I can really work with that. And I wonder, yes. do you do you consciously look for for that in your athletes? Well, that's a great question. I don't. I don't know if I look for it. I think I try to tap into it when I start really working with them. Right. I think I start seeing if I start seeing if I start hearing them talking that negative aspects or like, oh, I can't do this or like I'm I'm beating myself up or whatever. I try to flip the switch and ask them, well, why are you thinking that? What is going on? Why do you have why do you have that negative little uh, devil on your shoulder telling you that you can't, what's going on. And so I try to tap into why they're having those moments versus trying to help them. And I guess that would be helping them grow, right? It is, uh, no question. I, I wonder, have you had success when you identify an athlete who has more of a fixed mindset, you know, the kind of athlete who's resistant? I, I personally, when I identify the athlete with a fixed mindset, I have really struggled to get them to make the shift. Do you like from fixed to growth? Because I, I feel personally yeah. that an athlete with a growth mindset is much more likely to succeed in overcoming challenges, to, to, to do better when they face setbacks. The athlete with the fixed mindset, I can work with them, no question, but I'm going to have a harder time getting them to grow and develop over time because that fixed mindset will restrict them somehow. Did you, have you found the same thing? 100%, 100%. And I think it's, I think it, I've had to let athletes go who have that fixed mindset. I mean, I've had to and, fire uh, them. <laughs> really? That's interesting. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I almost sympathize. I empathize with people right. who, who are in there. But I, w- one of the struggles I've had is trying to get people to shift. And I don't yeah. know, have you had any success and, or do you have any tips or tricks that you've used to help people move from fixed to growth? 
Mm. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, I'm like so that, that, uh, that long. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm just sitting here thinking like, how do you switch from fixed to growth? I, man, I don't, I don't know because I think I've always had the growth mindset, you know, as a child, because even at seven, I mean, at 17 years old, that's when I told my mom and my grandpa that I was going to do the Ironman World Championship at 17. You know, it's interesting. I I changed, but I didn't Ah. change consciously. I did not change consciously. So I... I had a fixed mindset for throughout adolescence, throughout much of my early adulthood. And, and for listeners, just as a reminder, a, a growth mindset is where you view challenges as things to be overcome, where you view setbacks not so much as something that is – a setback is not seen as something as confirmation that you are, are bad, but rather a setback is seen as an opportunity for growth. So that's kind of the two real key ingredients for a growth mindset. People with a fixed mindset believe that they are hardwired to accomplish whatever they accomplish. So if I finished fifth in my age group, I can't do any better than that. I'm hardwired to finish fifth. If I finished the last in my age group, that's because that's what I'm hardwired to do. If I didn't do well in this particular race, it's because everybody out there was so much better than I am. So that's the fixed mindset. And I'm sure that listening to this, you know, people in your life who are of one or the other, and maybe you identify in yourself one or the other. One of the things that Carol Dweck wrote in her book, The Growth Mindset, is how incredibly hard it is to make the change from fixed to growth. Mm. And I can't tell you how I made the change. I can't tell you when it happened. I know that triathlon was a huge part of why it happened for me. A lot of it came through learned experience and just trial and error and just recognizing that, oh, wait a minute, I'm not hardwired to finish at the back of the pack. I actually, if I put in the hard work, I can do better. But even then, it was a very slow process for me. And I have not been able to figure out exactly how to help people do that on their own. And uh, it's hard, right? It's really hard. And I I feel a great deal of sympathy for people who are stuck in that fixed mindset because I want so much to help them. Right. And I, and I also, I think the biggest thing that I was going to say is with a fixed mindset, you have to want to change. If, if, if you don't want to change, if you have that mindset that you're in that fixed mindset, you're not, and you don't want to change, you're not going to change to growth. And as a coach, that's super challenging because you see the potential of some of your athletes and some of your clients, and you just want to just push them over the edge. But there's that, there's that balance of being that coach and being that like hard person, you know, or that, you know, it's, it's, that's a tough one. Do you ever use your athlete's mindset to help them overcome their physical limits? So for example, sometimes you'll have athletes who have a mindset that's more expensive than their physical abilities. So do you help, do you, do you use that to their advantage? 100%. Yeah. I have an athlete now who is very data driven. Like, I mean, if you look at his data, he could just be knocking out a whole bunch of stuff, like way beyond that he knows of, but he's so used to being in that zone two, right? He's in that zone two. I'm like, all right, we're going to push you outside of your comfort zone because you're used to that zone too. Your data showing me that you can 
achieve these things, but your mind is telling you, you can't, and I don't know what's happening. So I started like helping him start pushing and he goes, Oh my gosh, like Jen, like I'm, I'm crushing it on my, on my Watts, on my, on my bike. I'm, I'm killing it on my, you know, and it's all about just, just making those little tweaks. And I, I love seeing that. Yeah. When you think about your athletes in general, I hate, I, I hate to like stereotype, but do you find that there's any kind of split between mindset and either age or gender? Like, do you find, for example, mm-hmm. I'll see growth mindset more in my female athletes or I'll see mm-hmm. growth mindset more in my younger athletes? Have you noticed anything like that? Because when I think about it, I tend to see growth mindset more in my older account, accomplished athletes, regardless of gender. I'm just curious if you've uh, encountered anything like that. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Growth mindset in the older generation, uh, you know, in the, I mean, I'm 51. And so I think it's just over time you started, if you started doing this for a long time, you just, you start gaining that confidence, whether it's in the pool and on the bike or on the run, you start building that confidence and seeing that growth. So I definitely think it's the, it's my older generation of clients or of athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Being older is just the way to be. It's just, you know, (laughs) right. (laughs) I know. I I can't even think back. I can't even fathom back to like being 21, like 30 years ago. No, thank you. (laughs) Now, how are you leveraging your strength work for yourself as, Mm. as you put it, an older athlete? I don't like to think of myself that way, but I guess we have to. Yes. How are you leveraging strength? I've talked a lot on this program about the importance of strength for women, especially as they age. So how do you incorporate strength into your own routine and into the routine of your older athletes? Yeah. So I currently, I, I don't swim, bike and run anymore. I, I haven't ran probably since September. I walk. So my routine is strength training four days a week. And usually I will go to the gym here in Samara, Costa Rica. And it's like a little private boutique gym, which is amazing. But I will also do stuff on my patio. I have dumbbells. I have kettlebells. I have bands. I have a TRX that I, that hangs from my porch next to my hammock, you know, and, you know, and prime example on Friday, I went down to grab water and I could tell I was sitting a lot. I mean, I was sitting a lot. I was driving around the country for like the last month, right? Which was amazing, but I could tell my back was tightening up. Something was wrong with my back and I kept like pushing it. I kept pushing it. I kept pushing it. And what do I do? I go down to grab my phone and my water and all of a sudden my back goes, like it just cinched up and I'm like, oh goodness me. And I knew like, I knew like going into this week that I could not go into those workouts this week because I had to take care of my back. I have three bulging discs. And if I don't take care of that now, it's going to affect me three months from now or two months from now or or next week, you know? So I, so I had to listen to my body and let go of the ego and be like, all right, you're going to still do workouts. You're going to walk, you're going to do yoga. You're going to get a massage. You're going to do, you're going to do your stretching. You're going to do light weights and bands and just body weights. And you're going to be fine next week. You're going to be fine in two weeks. Right. 
So that's how I incorporate strength with my, my athletes. Usually off season, I am all about three times a week. And then as they get, and then as they get closer to their race, it's going to be two times a week. And then probably like a month out, it's all about body weight and, but it's still two times a week body weight, stretching, mobility. And usually what, and you might see this too, but usually what I see after, right when they're starting to really peak for that full Ironman, like you start seeing the strength training goes off. So I'm like, okay, just, just, you know, do some push-ups, sit-ups, squats, whatever, stretch, like just move the body as much as you can. So I'm a big advocate of strength. Yeah. Yeah, I am as well. And I, I totally recognize having trained for many Ironmans myself, as you start putting in more and more volume, the first yeah. thing that goes is the strength training. And it's so funny because it's like the strength training takes the least amount of time, but it's like you're tired. Yes. You, you just don't feel like lifting things. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, the idea of lifting a weight of any amount just doesn't appeal. And after you've spent so much time on the bike or in the pool or running, it's like, gosh, I really don't want to do this weight training. And it's the easiest thing to just sort of blow off. And I get it. I, I get it as an athlete. So I totally get it as a coach. And I, like you, I kind of just I, I just sort of like, okay, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I right. don't even put it on there towards in the heavy volume times. Right. It's not worth it. But And I, and I, I tell my, and I, oh, I was going to say, and I tell my athletes, we want to keep the muscle on as long as we can, but you know, it, you know, the, the strength is, and the muscle is going to drop. And then the card, you know, that, that heart and that engine is going to start building. So you're going to see, you know, and I, and I tell a lot of, like, I have a one guy who's a, heavy crossfitter, but he wanted to get that Ironman in, you know? And I was like, all right, you're going to have to start dropping some muscle mass. You know, you're going to be tired going into a CrossFit gym and do 150 wall balls, like, and then go run for, you know, two hours the next day. It's not going to happen. You know, you're going to start seeing things and and they do. And they're like, ah, (laughs) yeah. I love when the CrossFitters would decide they want to do endurance. It's always an interesting conversation. (laughs) How, how do you how do you convince some of your female athletes about the strength? I know sometimes women are are more resistant to taking on strength, but once you kind of convince them of the merits, especially when they're postmenopausal, of how valuable it is, has that been an easy sell? It's been a very easy sell. Yes, I think I think women in general are starting to recognize how important strength is, and I've been an advocate for strength for quite some time. I mean, I did four Ironmans and then took an eight year sabbatical in between my Ironmans. And that's when I did CrossFit, drank the Kool-Aid, all that fun stuff. Right. But it made me really realize like, wow, strength training is to me is the fountain of youth. It it, it just like, people are like, what am I, wait, you're 51. I'm like, yeah, I'm 51. Like you don't have an excuse. Like you can strength train. Like it's like, and I'm, I'm not bulky. You know, I mean, and I won't get bulky. That's not who I am. And I don't eat and I don't take enhancement drugs. So I think that's the hard part is convincing people that being strong isn't the same thing as being big. And often when I talk about strength training, I have to first get that message across that, you know, we're getting you strong. We're not getting you big. And once you get that across, yeah, once you get that across it, uh, well, you can, you can uh, feel free to use that. You can market that. Thank (laughs) you. I'll have to market that. I might have to tweet that. (laughs) Tell us, tell us about the app that you're doing. You you mentioned it a little bit earlier on. I want to hear a little bit about the strength app that you're doing. 
Thanks. So it's, I, it's called Jen Rulon 2.0. And one of my athletes, like he goes, Jen, I think you're like at a Jen Rulon 4.0 right now. But anyways, the Jen Rulon 2.0 is an app of, I have over 50 strength workouts in there. I have body weight stuff. I have, I have, you know, going to the gym workouts. I have dumbbells. I have kettlebell workouts. And what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to get people to jump onto that app and take that phone with them and go do a workout anywhere, anywhere in the world. And if they come with me and do an app, they're going to get to see all of Costa Rica because this is where I've done all of the movements. I am not in a gym at all. I have not done anything in the gym. And so when I tell you that I want you to do a squat, I'm going to ask you to go grab your dumbbell. I'm going to go ask you to grab your kid if you want, you know, or, or grab a huge, you know, jug of water. Like there's opportunities all around um, your home that you don't need to go to a gym, you know? And so I will jump on there at least once a week to go live. And so I try to you know, offer a live workout. And I'm going to do that tomorrow at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, 4th of July weekend for everybody. Like, Hey, come on, jump on board. Let's get a, get a little mini session in. And, you know, people are like, Oh, I don't have a dumbbell. I don't have a kettlebell. I'm like, that's okay. I will adjust for your body weight. We'll make it happen. And then also on the app is information about macro, macro counting and nutrition. And then I offered a PDF of sprint triathlon training plan and Olympic distance triathlon training plan. So yeah, that's great. That's great. So what's next for general on? Ooh, you mentioned the podcast, but the what podcast, else? the podcast, I, we talked briefly about this beforehand, but a lot of people have been asking me about traveling around Costa Rica. And I started, I had my first set of clients and it was the active travel in Costa Rica with coach Jen. And what we did is we were at a beach, we kayaked, we paddled board, we swam, we snorkeled, we went looking for dolphins. That was part of the active. And then we went to a volcano. We went to the Arenal volcano and we did a whole bunch of hiking. We did yoga. We did strength training. We went to a waterfall and then we went to another waterfall close to the airport. We did a three hour hike there and then we ate good food. And I just explained a little bit about the the country. And I think, you know, it's, it's new for me, this whole act of travel. I carried, I, 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 I pretty much was their Uber, their, their translator, their, I found their, all their tours for them. I organized everything for them and I was their photographer, everything you could imagine. And it was, it was beautiful. It was a great time and I got to see the country and get some great shots for myself and explore the country, the country that, allowed me to live here and heal. And it's time, like, it feels like it's time to give back to the country that took care of me. I love that. That sounds great. Well, Jen, I can't thank you enough for taking some time and joining me. And for those of you, for those of you who can't see, she's appropriately attired in a (laughs) bikini. And and, and it's sweating. I'm sweating. I'm sweating so bad. (laughs) 
making me very jealous and very much looking forward to my own re- retirement when I will go. be able to conduct these interviews from some beautiful <laughs> sunny place and 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 be the 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 source of jealousy for all my guests. General on she is a coach, she's an accomplished triathlete. She is now the resident of Costa Rica where she yeah. has a app for strength training. I will have the links to all of her various endeavors on in the show notes. Jen, thank you again for joining thank me you, here Jeff. today. It was a real pleasure having you. Thank you. Ciao. And that's it for another episode. The TriDoc Podcast is produced and edited by me, Jeff Sankoff, along with my interns. I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. Oh, how you doing? No relation. I'm, uh... I'm Jeff Sankoff, uh, the, the TriDoc. I'm in charge here. Not anymore. Those interns are Ian Johnson and Ben Johnson. You can find the show notes for everything discussed on the show today, as well as archives of previous episodes at tridocpodcast.com. Do you have questions about any of the issues discussed on this episode, or do you have a question that you'd like for me to consider answering on a future episode? Send me an email at tri underscore doc at icloud.com, or join the private TriDoc Podcast Facebook group on Facebook, and you can submit your questions there. If you're interested in coaching services, please visit tridoccoaching.com or lifesportcoaching.com, where you can find a lot of information about me and the services that I provide. You can also follow me on the TriDoc Podcast Facebook page, TriDoc Coaching on Instagram, and the TriDoc Coaching YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope that you'll consider leaving me a rating and a review, as well as subscribe to the show wherever you download it. And of course, there's always the option of becoming a supporter of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. The music heard at the beginning and the end of the show is radio by Empty Hours and is used with permission. This song and many others like it can be found at ReverbNation.com, where I hope that you'll visit and give small independent bands a chance. The TriDoc Podcast will be back again soon with another medical question for me to answer and another interview with someone in the world of multisport. Until then, remember 1121 and train hard, train healthy.